Hi, Patrick Madrid here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. In today's crazy world, finding companies that align with your Catholic values is a challenge. Your choice of cell phone provider matters. Cyrus and I switched to Charity Mobile, and you should too. Enjoy excellent coverage on America's most reliable network while supporting a pro-life, pro-family company. Use offer code PATRICK for a free phone. Don't miss out. Act now at CharityMobile.com. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. (laughs) Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show, 888-914-9149. I've got an oddball story for you, but it's going on in the background right now. I'm looking at some video of a huge chicken farm, and this one is in, appears to be in Texas, that is on fire, massive conflagration. And apparently, it it looks to me like it's got to be arson. I don't know, but a bunch of these, you know, industrial chicken farm operations are being burned down just in the last day or so. And uh, this is something that I don't think is really hitting in the mainstream media yet, unless you like live in the area where you see that gigantic black plume of smoke in your community. Well, that's the chicken farm that's ablaze right now. And somebody seems to be setting these things on fire. Cyrus, you and I were looking at this earlier. And now, of course, the conspiracy theories are popping up as they do. Um, I don't really even know what the conspiracy theories are, but this is happening and I don't know. And if we find out more about that, um, I will let you know. But if you don't have chicken in your refrigerator or your freezer, you might want to get some now before they get too expensive. Remember when we couldn't buy toilet paper three or four years ago, Cyrus? Remember that? I, Remember those days? I do. The We'd walk down the aisles and it would be empty. Something I had never seen before. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have that. Well, it's just toilet paper. You've always had it. Well, we don't have it now. And then when the truck would come in, you'd have people fighting for toilet paper. Um, And now the chickens. Now, it's just not just now the chickens. Oh, there they are. Those are the ones that got away. Not unpopular to have chickens in the backyard. A lot of people are doing that now. They are. Yes, way to go. We have a few listeners that are adamant about it. We keep our chickens in the studio. (laughs) These guys. (laughs) Yeah, the engineers are not happy about this. No, Drew hates it. All the cleanup necessary before you start your show. Chickens are very messy animals. I'll put it that way. Um, so that's happening. And I I find it odd. I mean, oh, here's another thing. Those forest fires in Canada. Do you remember last summer? And yeah, all yeah. those forest fires and all the smoke that was coming down to the, these United States. I've reviewed some like weather service radar videos, satellite videos that show like a dozen of these fires starting simultaneously or nearly simultaneously in different parts of Canada. What does that mean? How, do, how can that happen naturally? doesn't seem like it would be a natural thing. seems like maybe arson might be to blame for it. I don't know. Uh-oh. Independent thinker. Uh-oh. Indep- Russell yep. Brand... I don't want the Russell Brand treatment, that's for sure. No. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Dorothy now in Maryland. Good morning, Dorothy. Good morning. How Hi. are you? I am well, thank you. I'm sure you have a question for me. Yes. Okay. I was wondering, why did Jesus say to his apostles, I have to go to the Father? before mm-hmm. you you can receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I think he said that to them because, first of all, he was about to die on the cross and he would be, you know, in his glorified, resurrected body for 40 days, teaching them and preparing them and then ascending to the Father. And this would inaugurate the next... Um, chapter, let's say, in the life of the church, where Jesus would now, through the church, evangelize the world. So now it was time, after 
three years of being with Jesus for the apostles, seeing the miracles, hearing the teaching, being afraid when he was crucified, being overjoyed when he resurrected from the dead, seeing him again intermittently for the next 40 days, and then watching him ascend into heaven. Now it's their turn to carry the message forward. And so the best way I can, when you say, why is this? It's because that's Jesus's plan for the church. I suppose he could have decided to just remain on earth indefinitely, and people could go to wherever Jesus was. I mean, if he's in Jerusalem, in the Jesus church, people could go there, but Jesus did not choose to operate that way. So he chose to operate through the ministry of the apostles, through the ministry of the church, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think that's really the reason that he said he must go, because in his plan, he ascended to the Father and then sent the Holy Spirit, and then the church moved forward from there. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, it's, there's a section on this issue, if you're interested in what Pope John Paul II had to say on this, Dorothy. It's readily available online, and it's his encyclical on the Holy Spirit. It, it's div, it's um, uh, Dominum et vivificantem is the Latin. We say that in the Creed every Sunday, the Lord and the giver of life. That's what that phrase means, Dominum et vivificantem. So if you were to look up Lord and Giver of Life, or Pope John Paul II on the Holy Spirit, you'll find it in English. And he has a section there about the inauguration of the Church after Christ ascends to heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. They go out into Jerusalem and they preach. He has a whole beautiful biblical exegesis of that moment in the Church and and why the Holy Spirit energized the apostles and the other apostolic figures to go forth. So if you're interested in his reflection on it, I think that would be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All, All right. right. Glad I could be of service, Dorothy. Thank you. The number is 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Teresa in Indiana. Hi, Teresa. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I just you're welcome. love all of you. Thank you. There's a discrepancy in my church right now, and mm-hmm. I've been trying to correct it for about the last six weeks, and I'm not being heeded at all, and I don't know if this is something for the bishop to know, or maybe just I it's a sign I should just change parishes now and take my gifts elsewhere that the Lord's blessed me with. But anyway, um. There was a magazine published uh, before Christmas, and mm-hmm. the the article stated that Joshua married Rahab, making her the great-grandmother of King David. Well, that's not what Scripture say. Scripture, I thought first, an apostolic tradition, because Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim, In the book of Chronicles and in the first chapter of Matthew, it says that Salmon, from the tribe of Judah, married Rahab, making her the great-great-grandmother of King David, and then all the way down to our Lord Jesus, who is from the tribe of Judah. That's why they call him the Lion of Judah, and they refuse to correct it. Um, I brought it to the pastor. He completely ignored it. I took it to the church office, and they went as far as to have um, the youngest priest completely bypass Scripture and apostolic tradition and go to some old Orthodox Jewish writings called the Midrash, where I guess it says there that eventually Joshua married Rahab, but I feel like the congregation is being misled because Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim, and he was not who Jesus descended from. And so, you know, I think you're right, Teresa. I I think you're on to something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that your instinct is sound. You probably should go to a different parish. 
If this is causing that much heartburn for you, then I then maybe you aren't at the right parish. Well, it is. Uh, it is only because I thought it's misleading the congregation. I understand. And you, you have your understanding of this issue, and this is clearly causing you a lot of concern, a lot of heartburn. So life's too short, you know? Just move on to a place where you don't have to have this polemic with everybody. I think that'd be the easiest way. You obviously have thought a lot about this, and you have a strong opinion on this. So, um, you know, why not just make a change? And probably you'll be happier, and maybe they'll be happier too. I hope that's helpful, Teresa. Thank you. God bless you. 888-914-9149. I have a note here. This is from Anon. And I'm never quite sure why people just want to be anonymous. If a first name, no one will know who you are, but that's okay. So Anon is listening on the Relevant Radio app and says, I recently came across the concept of theosis in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Theosis or deification refers to a view of salvation guided by the conviction that the final glorification of humanity is union with God. What is the Catholic Church's stance on this? Thank you. Well, (laughs) it just so happens that this is the Catholic teaching that for a thousand years predates the advent of what are known as the Eastern Orthodox Churches. Uh, when they abandoned the Catholic Church and went into schism, this, thankfully, was one of the truths of the faith that they retained, as they did with virtually all the other truths of the faith. But this isn't something from the Eastern Orthodox Church. I mean, you see it certainly in the Eastern Orthodox Churches, and it is emphasized, that's true. But it comes from the Catholic Church, and it is the Catholic teaching that we will be like God. We will be Uh, We will be divinized is another term for it. So divinization is a more common term that you would see in the Catholic Church, in in the Catechism, for example, where it talks about this. And that is that we, although we never lose our human nature, we participate in what are known as the communicable attributes of God. God can communicate certain attributes to us. Some of them he can't communicate to us because we can't receive them. So God is existence itself. That's one of his attributes. We can't become existence itself, but we can participate in a subordinate way in God's existence when he brings us into existence, when he gives us being. But there are some things that God can communicate to us, beauty, for example, and uh, righteousness, holiness. He can communicate those things to us. So to give you a short analogous way of understanding the Catholic doctrine of theosis is imagine an iron bar being put into a furnace. And the iron bar, before it goes in, is cold and dull and heavy and gray. When you put it into the furnace, what happens? Well, the communicable attributes of the fire begin working upon that bar of iron, and suddenly, well, I shouldn't say suddenly, but in time, what happens is the bar of iron begins to take into itself the color of the fire, begins glowing red hot. It now has heat in it that it didn't have before. Uh, and, And those kind of communicable attributes that the fire can impart to the bar of iron are a way of thinking about theosis, where you are the bar of iron. God is this blazing fire in the furnace. And so the process of divinization or theosis is where more and more and more of those communicable attributes of God become imbued in you. Now, you never cease to be human. You don't become God by nature. But as the Bible says, you become like God. You participate with God. You see him as he is, and your proximity to him is part of this process of theosis. So definitely a Catholic teaching and it's a beautiful way of looking at what God wants to do for you and for me. And uh, there are some good books on the topic. One is called, um, I think it's called Theosis and the Church Fathers. And I'm going to have to, it's in my library back home. I just don't remember the author's last name. It'll come to me. And hopefully I'll remember it in time and, and I can mention it on the air when we come back. Uh And I appreciate your email, 888-914-9149. Here is an email that comes in from Annette, and she's listening in Los Angeles. 
She says a lot of really nice things at the beginning, and I don't want to read them all. I do appreciate everything you said, Annette, and how the show is helpful to you during the time of the pandemic and all of those nice things that you said. Thank you for that. So to her question, she says, I have a neighbor who is recently coming out of alcoholism. From the little I know, he became ill, and that is what eventually sent him to rehab. He's now back home. And in our brief interactions, he has shared with me his wife wants him out. He did say he doesn't blame her. While the hospital and rehab were occurring, his wife also shared with me that for a couple of years, she wondered daily if he would come home and she would find him, or she would come home and find him dead. Apparently, he really alienated his entire family. And he has grown children who also say that they're done with him. I have been a bad neighbor and busy with my own life. I wish I had known and that there was a way I could have helped. But here we are. The daily reading and reflection from two days ago spoke about forgiveness and change. I saw him, the neighbor, before heading to work, and I knew I needed to speak to him, but that just wasn't the time. I did share with him my desire to speak with him and mentioned the daily reading. He jokingly asked, is it about divorce? In that same conversation, he shared that he used to be Lutheran. Based on what I shared, can you recommend a book that I can recommend to him and maybe to his wife or any other recommendations for how I can be of service and help to my neighbors? Now, I would suggest a book called Making Sense Out of Suffering by Dr. Peter Craved. I do recommend this book from time to time. And it would be, I think, on point in addressing, number one, the suffering that both of them are experiencing because of his choices with alcohol. But also it gets into the issue of forgiveness and restoration and healing and reconciliation. Those are all desired outcomes when there's pain in life. And the book talks about how do you handle pain and suffering, but also what are some of the objectives that you're seeking. So in this case with this married couple, their their marital unity to heal the damage that was done by the things that he did. And I'm sure that, you know, like in most situations, it probably wasn't unilateral. There probably is blame on both sides that only they ultimately would be able to address. Getting some counseling would help. Quite frankly, listening to relevant radio would help. We hear that a lot from people maybe whose marriages have been badly damaged and one or the other begins listening to relevant radio. Sometimes it's the the one who caused the problems and things begin to get better. So God can work through things like that. And I wouldn't say you're a bad neighbor. You're just like anyone else. Number one, you didn't know, like you said. Number two, you're a neighbor. So like you don't really have standing in the lives of these people, unless they invite you into their private pain, which they'd have now. So I wouldn't, if I were you, you know, reproach yourself and say that you're a bad neighbor. Now that you know you're in a position to do something, but you didn't know. So don't fault yourself for that. And of course, you can pray a novena and ask Our Lady if you want to pray a novena, Our Lady Undoer of Knots novena, for example which I believe is on the Relevant Radio app. So if you don't have the app, put it on your phone and you can pray that every day. And ask for particular help, particular grace to come into this situation. Nothing is beyond the power of God, obviously. Jesus says, for man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, including the restoration of this marriage. Hard to know how much time this gentleman has if his body is so wrecked by the alcoholism. But in the time remaining, God can work a miracle, and restore this couple to some sort of happiness and unity before he dies. So those are some practical things that I would recommend to you. And once again, I really appreciate the kind words that you offer for the show. That means a lot, and I thank you for that. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with more of the Patrick Madrid Show. Please don't forget, Lent is right around the corner, and if you want a transformative Lent for you and your family, be sure to watch Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass for bite-sized glimpses into every prayer and word from the sign of the cross to the final blessing. Get these free video lessons every day of Advent from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday straight to your inbox. Sponsored in part by the National Center for Padre Pio. Transform your 40 days with 40 lessons and Father's Weekly Eucharistic Encounters at relevantradio.com slash Lent.
Hi, Patrick Madrid here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. In today's crazy world, finding companies that align with your Catholic values is a challenge. Your choice of cell phone provider matters. Cyrus and I switched to Charity Mobile, and you should too. Enjoy excellent coverage on America's most reliable network while supporting a pro-life, pro-family company. Use offer code PATRICK for a free phone. Don't miss out. Act now at CharityMobile.com. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Cyrus, I'm going to be a proud dad for just a second. Then I'll get back to regularly scheduled programming here. Uh, My son, Theodore, he's doing a PhD at Hillsdale. I think he's only got about two years left on that. But he posted something on Twitter about a symposium that he presented a paper at. And when I first saw it, I had to look at it closely because he's wearing a mustache like the old man. And, um, And so now he's at the point where he's presenting papers, which is cool. So I wanted to mention that because I don't know if you've seen it yet, but if you see that picture, you tell me if you think there's a resemblance. You know, I, I can see a little resemblance, so, but I'm biased. So what do, do you, you think? Uh, you posted this on your Twitter? Well, I, re- I retweeted what he posted. So it's a picture of him standing at the podium giving his lecture. And he, um, yeah, he's got the stash. That's what stuck out. He didn't have the stash last time I saw him. So that's there. And uh, if you want to tell me if you think that looks... What? Do you see that? That's your son? Yeah, that's one of my youngest sons. Oh, my gosh. He looks exactly like you. I don't know about that. How funny. Yeah, I think the mustache does kind of do it. He's got the Madrid stash going. Scroll down just a little bit, and somebody asked me if it was a picture of me when I was young. So I posted a picture of me when I was younger at the podium... And you can clearly see it's not the same person, but uh, yeah, clear, clearly someone totally different. That's before <laughs> I had any gray in my hair too. You're, it looks like it's just zoomed in. <laughs> it is, yeah. I had to crop it. No, it I mean the all... photo of you just looks like the zoomed in photo of your. Oh, son. I see. Well, that is funny. Well, I didn't have any gray back in those days. It was a simpler time. Proud Papa. Good for you. Yeah, man. I'm proud of my son. That's great. I'm proud of all my kids. They're all great. But I'm biased, of course. 888-914-9149. How about Craig now in Monterey Park, California? Hello, Craig. Hello, Patrick. Uh, Patrick, are you familiar with a book by Father Benedict Rochelle called A Still Small Voice? You know, I'm familiar with Father Benedict. May he rest in peace. And I have a number of his books, but not that one. I haven't read that one. Okay, the book is about uh, Father Benedict Groeschel. Uh, uh, it deals with Marian apparitions and private revelations. And since you get a lot of customers or people calling in all the time, I was always wondering why you never mentioned that book, because it's a perfect synopsis of all those issues dealing with private revelations and Marian uh, devotion. Well, now you know the reason why, because I haven't read the book. Oh. Yeah. Last time you called me, you asked me about the Dedicate Bible. How come you never mentioned that Bible? And I I didn't. I gave the same reason because <laughs> it wasn't yeah. one of the Bibles I typically use. But um, yeah. if you're recommending it, I probably should read it. Yes. Father Benedict Rochelle is alone the, the reason why. He's a great author. He is, yeah. And I, I had great esteem for him. Did you know, Craig, that he was not only... Uh, a Catholic priest, of course, but he was a trained, I think he was a psychologist or maybe he was a psychiatrist. So he had the clinical chops to bring to bear on these issues as well. Yes. Uh Um, One other question. Peter Kreft, which you do know, he's written a Mm -hmm. book called How to Destroy Western Civilization. Yes. Have you read that? Yes, I have. It's a marvelous book. I recommend it to all the homeschoolers. That's a good point. Yeah, it's uh, Peter Craved, I think you really can't go wrong. I, I've never read anything by him that I felt disappointed in. He's always so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Thank you very much. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, Patrick. Well, thank you, Craig. Nice to know you're listening out there. And I do remember those early days at Catholic Answers when you used to work there oh, for a little while. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah it was a okay. long time ago. God bless. Yep. Thank you. 888-914. What? What was that, Cyrus? That was a sound effect. Was that me or you? I think it was you. I don't know. I don't. Well, if it was me, then I have no clue what I have was. no clue what that was. I just heard a little chime. <laughs> yeah, I um, heard it too. All right, yeah, looking into that's it. Okay. That's okay. That's uh, okay. <clears throat> here we go. How about this one? This is an email that comes in from Cynthia listening in Los Angeles. Now, you're going to have to put on your thinking caps, everybody. And remember last week when we talked about the border crisis that thankfully has not erupted into something worse. And just to refresh your memories, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, saying that he is invoking the clause in the Constitution that says if a state is under invasion uh, and imminent danger that can't wait, then the state has the right, according to the U.S. Constitution, to defend itself and secure the border, et cetera, et cetera. And we were talking about uh, the federal government, uh, in my view, being derelict in its duty to secure the border and all of that whole conversation. I think, Cyrus, what are we talking about? For two days, I think. So this is from Cynthia talking about that. And the subject is your anti-immigrant show last Thursday, or anti-migrant. Dear Patrick, I'm a regular listener who is disappointed that you presented an anti-migrant perspective on your show. I'm going to pause there. No, I did not. I absolutely did not in any way present an anti-migrant perspective on my show. So I reject your characterization of the show in that way. Um, I talked about the crisis on the border. I talked about the different positions that were being taken. I talked about how the federal government under the Biden administration was undoing the efforts on the part of the Texas National Guard to secure the border. To And all of that against the backdrop of children being trafficked across the border, um, the crime and, and depredation against women and others on the border, the inability to control the border, the inability to know who's coming into the country, the countless young men of military age who are flooding into the country without women and children, without old people. Where are these people going? What are they doing? Why are they here? I talked about all those things. None of those things are anti-migrant. Please note that. So she says the proper term for migrants who enter, the, enter with uninspected entry is undocumented. Have you ever done anything illegal and would you like to be labeled as illegal? It may be illegal for your show to adapt, adopt partisan perspectives when you are designated nonprofit. I see what you did just there. Unlike you, I have been to the southern border in the last couple of years, uh, and she gives the name of the people that she's gone with to bring donations. And she goes on and on in that, in that vein. Well, first of all, Cynthia, the term illegal is describing the conditions under which some people come across the border. They do it illegally. And I understand if you're sensitive to that uh, terminology, okay, that's up to you. Uh, but these are terms that are able to be used and they don't carry the connotation that you read into them. Um, on and on and on. Your, migrants, your anti-migrant stance on your show on Thursday suggests that migrants are criminals. Some of them are, you know, it doesn't take a you know, a telescope to see that. Some of them are, many of them are not, some of them are. Uh, it's not an anti-migrant stance to talk about this problem. It's not an anti-migrant stance to describe some of the real problems there that are harming people, indeed harming them by criminals, like I talked also about the cartels and the way in which they're preying on people and killing people, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm afraid, Cynthia, you're barking up the wrong tree here. And I do appreciate, though, the time that you took to write this lengthy email. Thank you for that. And we'll just have to agree to disagree on this issue. Now, Jim from Wisconsin, uh, he writes in, and, and this is on the same topic. He says, regarding the crossing at the border, whether legally or illegally, the answer was given by God long before the existence of these great United States of America. In Colossians 3.22, he quotes this passage saying, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. And then he cites Titus 3.1, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. 
one Catholic leader, and he's referring back to this conversation that we had uh, last week, and the two Catholic leaders in question were Greg Abbott, the Catholic governor of Texas, and President Joe Biden, the Catholic president of the United States. So he's referring obliquely to them. He says, one Catholic leader is not following these scriptures and is going against the Constitution of the United States of America by trying to let the illegal aliens into the U.S. illegally. Another Catholic leader is following these scriptures and is following the Constitution of the United States of America by trying to protect the border. It does not matter the religion of these two leaders. The scriptures do not say to obey the Christian leader over the non-Christian leader or vice versa. Also, he says, the people who cross the border legally are following the scriptures, while the ones crossing the border illegally are not following the scriptures. Interesting take. I appreciate you taking time to write to me as well. Thank you. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Joshua now, somewhere in Ohio. Good morning, Joshua. Good morning. I wanted to ask about um, gay couples who are already married in the eyes of the law and of their social setting. Um, Do you think they should seek a divorce? Should they break their marriage vows? What if they already have children in the picture? What do you think they should do? Well, first of all, it's none of my business personally what they do or don't do. So I don't have a say in how they arrange their lives. Um, from a from a standpoint of being a follower of Jesus, I believe that Jesus is teaching about marriage being between one man and one woman, which he talks about in, in um, Matthew chapter 19. I believe that. So in terms of what I would like to see everybody do and, and follow Jesus, my hope would be that people in that situation that you described would follow Jesus. I realize not everybody does, and some people follow Jesus, but they don't they won't necessarily agree on that particular topic. So, no, I have no no say, and I, I have no reason to want to say to this couple, you should do this, that, or the other. Um, I'd like to see them accept these moral teachings of Jesus, in which case then certain changes would need to be made. But I wouldn't presume to interfere in their lives and tell them you should get divorced or you should do this. Now, if they asked me, if they said, hey, you know, you're our neighbor, we've hung out together, you know, we'd be interested in your opinion, then sure, I might venture an opinion. But short of that, it would not be my place to tell them what to do. Sure, but what would what would the opinion, if they said we accept these Catholic teachings on homosexuality and marriage, mm-hmm. but we accepted them after we already got married and adopted children, What? how would they enact those teachings in their life, given that quite likely quite a bit of suffering would be caused by these beliefs. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and that's a good question. So if if they, let's say that gay couple asked me, you know, what do you think? What would your advice be? And, and I had permission to offer my advice about their personal affairs. I would say, well, given the immorality of the situation, number one, stop committing sodomy, stop living together in this subjectively immoral state of committing sodomy. And you can find a creative way to raise these children that you've adopted, assuming that they were adopted. I mean, there are workarounds in a difficult situation. But if, if their question is, how do we get right with God? How do we live a moral life and pursue virtue? I would say that's the first thing I would recommend is stop committing the sin of sodomy. And then find a, a living arrangement where you can care for your children and make sure that they're protected and all of the above— and do so in a way that's virtuous. That'd be my advice. Do you think divorce should be on the table? I don't recognize that as a as a valid marriage in the first place. So civilly, sure, if that's what they wanted to do, but they're not actually married. The state says they're married, so there's a piece of paper that says they're married. But in the eyes of God and the church, they're not married. So to me, divorce would be... To, to me, Joshua, divorce would be... Um, it would be superfluous, I suppose. Okay. What about, should they remarry in the future if they do get a civil divorce? No, because it's not a marriage. Two men can't get married in actual fact. Two women can't get married in actual fact. They could have their union recognized by the state as a marriage, which of course didn't even exist until just a few years ago, but now it exists. 
So, but no, I would not advise them to quote unquote, try to get married again. Okay. Um, well, I was just curious what the Catholic stance was going to be. So thank you for helping me out. You're welcome. And I hope you got down every word I said, and it's, it's archived. If you want to go back and play it for somebody, uh, relevant radio archives, this show, what is it, Cyrus, about an hour after the show's over? Yeah. I try to, I try to get the show up within an hour, but within an hour and a half. Yeah, so it's all there, Joshua, if you want to go back to it and uh, and refer to it. Thank you. I appreciate the call. 888-914-9149. We have, yeah, we have to take a break right now. So we'll do that, and we'll come back with more right after this. And if you want to call and be on the air, this would be a good time to call. We just had a line open up, and it's yours when you call 888-914-9149, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. This is the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and relevantradio.com. We don't have the transcripts of the show ready yet, but they're coming. And we're going to let you know when they're ready. So that, let's say you wanted to, I don't know, let's say you wanted to get me on the record. Not that anyone would ever do that. But let's say you wanted to get me on the record. Let's see what he'd say about this issue so that we can document it. You know, um, We do have the show archives, so the audio is there. And that's, as Cyrus said a minute ago, that's posted about an hour or so after the show's over. So you can always go back and listen to it and catch everything that you missed. But in due time, we're going to have the transcripts as well. So that's coming. So be patient. And that, that'll be a, yet another way that you can document. He said, what? Yeah, it's right there. So I'm looking forward to that, Cyrus. That's going to be great. Yeah, so... Right now, I mean, if they want to get you on record, they have to work a little bit and scroll through a little bit of audio. But when those transcripts come, they'll be able to <laughs> just put in that keyword search. There, the, yeah. there it is. That's that's what I was looking for. That's right. And then you'll be like, yeah, that's what I said. And please <laughs> spell my name correctly. That's right. That's M-A-D-R-I-D, exactly like the city. That's true. Uh, here's a note that comes in from John. He's listening in Chicago, and he's asked us a question about the intercession of the saints. He says... I'm taking some heat for my Catholic stance. Oh, actually, you know what? <laughs> I was I was planning to read this this morning, and it occurs to me that I think John called because the caller that we had today tracked right point by point uh, with this email. But just in case it wasn't the same person, here goes. It says, I'm taking some heat for my Catholic stance regarding the characteristics of the saints in heaven. I know St. John's revelation in the gospel passages, omniscience is God's alone, but how can the saints know of us? How can they, without understanding of all the members of the church, both earthly and purgatory? He says also, some Christians believe dead is dead, regardless of the testimony of Scripture to the contrary. Yeah, that's right. I did. I believe I did take a call on this, but I'll just give a quick recap. So the, the verses that talk about the saints being alive and aware, I kind of went through that on the air a day or two ago. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, which you know about already, the martyrs in heaven talking with God, aware that the people who martyred them were not punished yet. And also in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe I referred to the souls of the just men made perfect. Those are described as what somebody sees when looking at the heavenly city, angels in festival gathering, etc., so if somebody, you know, you, you say, here are the verses, and th- these are just a few among many. If the person doesn't believe it, doesn't accept it, I mean, that's okay. You're not, you don't have to close the sale. And if you give it your best effort and you explain the biblical teaching on the communion of saints and somebody says, well, I don't believe that. Okay, great. Have a nice life. I mean, we can still be friends. What did Jesus say when he sent the 70s out to preach and to teach and to cast out demons and things? He says, if you go into a town or village and they won't receive you, then leave. Move on. 
Life's too short. Jesus didn't say life's too short, but uh, that's my little addendum to it. You know, he talks about shaking the dust from your shoes, but you're not obligated to spend the rest of your life wrangling with somebody who doesn't agree with the church's teaching. You do your best and, and move on. That's what I would suggest. And maybe the, the parable of the sower of the seed would be a good example of that. Jesus doesn't say that the man who's broadcasting the seed on rich soil and rocky soil and shallow soil and scorched soil, he, he doesn't say that the person has to stand there and wait for it to come up or even to, to do anything more than just scatter the seed. The way he describes it is he's scattering the seed and he just continues going. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the increase. So that would be the thought that I would take to this question. I thank you for that. Uh, how about Celeste now in Sacramento, California? Good morning, Celeste. Good morning, Patrick. Um, I have a question. Okay. So my sister, she has a best friend who um, identifies as bisexual. And um, she had asked my sister if she had gotten married to her current girlfriend, would she go? And my sister mm-hmm. said no, that she wouldn't. And, um, you know, visibly, the friend was hurt, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't think she understands. She's a baptized Catholic, I believe, and um, she's gone through the sacraments, but I don't think that she was really, like, raised in the faith in the way okay. to where she um, follows it. Um, okay. And she knows my sister's Catholic, but I guess she didn't know how Catholic she was. So mm-hmm. um, she agreed to talk to my sister about it. They kind of... Um, are not talking as much anymore, understandably. Right. Um, and, and my sister wants to explain to her, I guess, in the best way, um, what our faith says and what and how it applies to her, the best friend, you know, even though she doesn't believe it. And I just want to know um, how, I could, how she could say it in mm-hmm. uh, the right way to explain it. Yeah, she wants to be a good friend. She wants to... To, to, to speak the truth in love, and hopefully the friend will listen. Maybe she won't agree, or maybe she won't accept it, but at least she will listen to it, which is a good thing. I think one thing would be for your sister to watch the video of a mock debate that I did with Father Mike Schmitz. You know, I'm sure you know who he is, right? Very popular um, podcaster, yeah. A Year with the Bible. So he and I did a debate probably six, seven years ago, at Franciscan University in Steubenville. And it was on the question of same-sex marriage. And the way collegiate debate is done is that you get assigned your topic whether you agree with it or not. And so you follow the rules of debate, and you you have you know your presentation, cross-examination, discussion, things like that. So Father, Father Mike was assigned the role of defending marriage between a man and a woman, one man and one woman. So that's the traditional Christian teaching on marriage, the biblical teaching on marriage. So I was assigned the position of, of promote, not promoting, that's quite not quite the right word for it, but advocating for same-sex marriage. And so for my part, at least, I spent the months in preparation for that debate by watching all the videos promoting gay marriage that I could find, all the, you know, the, the substantive ones, read a few books, read quite a few articles. Uh, I tried to steep myself in the arguments that those in the gay community use, and I wanted to be not just familiar with them, but to deeply understand the critique that they bring to bear against the Catholic teaching on, or the Christian teaching in general on marriage between a man and a woman. So we had this debate. It lasted for two hours. It was really good. And Father Mike Schmitz did a super job of explaining very articulately and very winsomely what marriage is and how marriage is between a man and a woman. So rather than try to explain what all happened in that two-hour debate, and that was in front of an audience of about 1,200 people, I would suggest, it's on YouTube, so I would suggest just getting that YouTube video over to your sister and if she watches that, I have a feeling she'll be more than prepared for being able to speak in a loving, caring, and, and, and truthful way about what the church teaches on this issue and why. In other words, more specifically, what does Jesus say about this issue? So right. if you go to YouTube, just look up Father Mike Schmidt, same-sex debate, or Patrick Madrid, same-sex, um, same-sex marriage debate. 
and it's there, and I think she'll benefit from it. Thank you, Patrick. Um, if I may ask just one follow-up question. Sure, please go ahead. Um, what about, um, so I, I have a friend, another friend, and she's atheist, and she always says to me when I bring this up that she doesn't care about what God says. Is there mm-hmm. anything um, to talk about it when they don't care at all what God says? I think so. Um, I would say that's fair enough, but I believe in it's important to have tolerance and diversity, don't you? And right. that, that person will probably say, well, yeah, I believe in that. Great. And I believe in being non-judgmental, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I believe in fairness and equality. And I don't believe in canceling people or discriminating against them uh, just because they think about the world differently than you do or I do. Would you agree? And he's going to say, or she's going to say, well, yeah, of course I agree with that. Then say, great. So, you know, don't condemn me for believing what I believe. Don't be judgmental. You know, be tolerant and embrace diversity. I'm different from you. I look at the world differently than you do. I believe in equality. I don't believe in canceling people because of what they think. And you already said that you feel the same way. So I'm assuming you're not going to do any of those things to me. Because I believe what right. I believe. And, and at that right. point, it becomes virtually impossible for the person to then turn on you for your Christian beliefs. And one or the other things will happen. One of two things will happen. Either the person will say, well, in this case, yes, I am judgmental toward you, or I don't believe in diversity, or I don't believe in tolerance. They're not likely to say any of those things. But more likely would be that their hands would be tied. And she or he would not really be able to say or do very much because you've already gotten them to conf- uh, to um, commit to not being judgmental, <laughs> to not, you know, to embracing diversity and inclus- inclusivity. Mm-hmm. You could say, you know, I'm concerned about my emotional safety. All, use all the buzzwords, all the terms that are used <laughs> to try to shut down Christians and just use those terms. And it becomes difficult yeah. for them to really fight against you at that point. They may disagree with you, but they won't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Um, thank I'll you, Celeste. Look at as well. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's all about love. This is love-based, not fear-based. This is compassion-based. We want to be kind to people. We want to speak the truth to them. Uh, we're not here to stomp on anybody but they deserve right. to know the truth you know they have a right to it so if they're willing to listen great if they're not willing to listen okay that's okay too we pray for them thank you patrick have a good day you too thank you sorry sarah i usually can tell when i'm when the conversation's over usually it's people have to get to work I hear from people who say, I'm late for work from time to time because I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot and I can't tear myself away because I want to hear what's being said. And the secret to that is put the relevant radio app on your phone and then get those handy-dandy AirPods and surreptitiously listen to the program while you're in your cubicle. That works, as long as there's no company policy against it. Let's see, how about Ed now in... Monrovia, California. I used to live in Monrovia, California when I was a little kid. And the 210 freeway went right over where my house used to be. So that's my connection. Is that right? This is Ed. Hey, Ed. So tell me what's on your mind. So I've uh, begun or restarted going to confession on a regular basis in the past year or so. And it's come to mind, I'm wondering, what is the, the obligation or the, the necessity or maybe just the benefit of going to confession when you haven't uh, committed any mortal sins recently? Yeah, so there's no obligation to go to confession outside of the church's requirement that you go to confession at least once per year. So that is a, that is an obligation, you know, if you want to look at it from that standpoint. The ideal, I think, is to go to confession as frequently as you need to go. For some people, it's very frequent, maybe every week or two, some, sometimes every month. Some people, maybe less often than that. I think most, most 
mm, let's say spiritual advisors would say, if you can go to confession regularly, maybe every month or so, that's a good thing to strive for. But not everybody can. The main thing is, if you have mortal sins on your soul, then you would need to go to confession, certainly just out of common sense, because you never know when you'll die. So to not remain in the state of mortal sin is very important, and that's what the, the sacrament of reconciliation or confession can do for you, but also in order to receive Holy Communion. So if we're talking about a necessity, we could say it's a necessity to go to confession before you receive Holy Communion. Um, if you have venial sins only, when you're at Mass during the penitential rite, you know, the prayer that we say, um, I confess to Almighty God and to my brothers and sisters that I have greatly sinned. Remember that prayer at Mass? Yep, yep, for sure. Yep. So that's that's called the penitential rite. And the penitential rite at Mass actually absolves you of all venial sins so that you are properly prepared. Now, if you let's say you had you know, five venial sins and one mortal sin, well, the penitential rite doesn't prepare you for communion. It's not like it removes the venial sins and leaves the mortal sin. It's all or nothing. So in the case of mortal sin, just go to confession as needed. And by way of having a, a good spiritual routine, I think most people would suggest maybe once a month. That's up to you, though. Okay, great. Thanks for that. And maybe just a follow-up. So, mm -hmm. so if you have, I'm sorry, I hear the music. If you've if you've gone to confession, no mortal sins, but you, well, let me let me just leave it at that. Okay. 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 And if you want to hold, we'll come back to you on the other side of the break. It's up to you. This is the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, and I'll be right back with hour three right after this. Yeah. 